0: For those who fish, this is the Drake Cast. He was tying feathers on a hook. I'll do a hopper with a hopper dropper with a dropper hopper. The river was like a womp. Could be a disco midge, it could be a beadhead. I'm your host, Elliot Adler. This episode of the Drake Cast is brought to you by Yellow Dog Fly Fishing Adventures.
1: Hi, this is Sean Lawson with Yellow Dog Fly Fishing Adventures. This week's featured destination is the Yucatan. One of our easiest international destinations to fly to, the Yucatan Peninsula of Mexico offers some of the best price points and highest overall values for saltwater trip packages from all-inclusive lodges to single-day trips. Great fishing for bonefish, permit, tarpon, snook, and more. Give us a call here at Yellow Dog or visit us online at yellowdogflyfishing.com. And remember that while there's a lot of ways to get there, there's certainly only one way to do it right.
0: This episode is also brought to you by Scott Fly Rods. John Duncan, the owner of Telluride Angler, told me why he recommends Scott Fly Rods to his customers.
2: Scott Fly Rods are so compelling because new Scott Rods are always the product of pure design. When Jim Barchi designs a new Fly Rod, it's because he's come up with something that's actually better for fishermen. And that's why at any given time, The best fly rod in the world in any given category, like trout or saltwater, is very likely to be a Scott.
0: Go check out a Scott fly rod at Telluride Angler, your local fly shop, or scottflyrod.com. Alrighty, on to the show. This past January, I found myself in Tennessee. A friend suggested I check out Great Smoky Mountains National Park. I'd heard that fishing within the park could be pretty good. I figured I could hike a couple miles off the road, find a fish or two, maybe run into a bear. But my friend had another idea in mind. He suggested that I look into the effects of the fire that had ripped through the area in November of 2016. He was wondering if there had been any damage to the streams and how the trout were holding up. I had a hazy recollection of those fires, but mainly in the context of Dolly Parton's theme park.
3: Hi, this is Dolly Parton with Smokey. Now, we had a beautiful fall this year in the Smoky Mountains, but this extended drought has resulted in high wildfire danger.
0: Flames are now threatening the famous Dollywood Resort. A spokesperson for Dollywood said so far, no
2: structures inside the theme park have been damaged.
0: But apparently the fire got some of the national park as well. My friend recommended I reach out to Ian and Charity Rudder. They might be able to help me find a story.
1: You know, I always laugh about that because what people call check nymphing now, that was just called nymphing.
0: Ian rocks a soul patch and a ponytail. <laughs> Charity has a warm smile and an infectious positivity. Together, they run R and R Fly Fishing, a guide service in and around the national park. They were graceful enough to show me around the areas of the national park that got hit by the fire. We hopped in their SUV.
1: We'll walk around, but I'll tell you, we'll, we'll take you to a spot. It's not a three-minute walk and you feel like you're the end of the world.
0: A few snowflakes melted on the windshield as we headed towards Newfound Gap.
1: Now we're coming into some fire here, you can start seeing a little bit of char.
0: Across the valley, an entire ridge was burned out.
1: You can kind of see how these ridge lines, it's really those ridge lines that got scorched There's this one coming right to it. us, that, that narrow strip, I mean it got everything. Mm-hmm. Right there, you can see the ground, you can see individual rocks on the ground, everything but you just get away from that one strip, and there's, you know, nothing even got burned. And the further down in the valley, there's a stream right down here below us, and you can see just the lower
0: you get, the less impact there is. We parked and walked down into the valley. Around us, uh, we've got burned deadfall, and the bases of trees have char marks going up about four feet, some of them. All in all, the fire seemed to have hardly affected this area. There's stuff, sprout, looks like wildflowers are starting to sprout. Not bloom,
4: but like sprout.
0: <laughs> the forest looked pretty healthy. Yeah,
3: look at all the daffodils coming up over there. There's some blooming. Look at yeah. that.
0: After we finished our tour, the Rudders suggested I meet up with some biologists from the national park. At this point, I didn't really see this being much of a story because the streams and the fish seemed to be all right. But not really having anything else to do, I called up the park's fisheries department and scheduled a meeting. They invited me over.
1: i um, Matt Culp, and I'm a fishery biologist here at the park.
0: And his coworker.
1: I'm Caleb Abramson,
4: I'm a permanent fisheries technician here in Great Smoky Mountains National Park. We can chum best. up next to each other just like old times.
0: <laughs> Caleb and Matt filled me in on the fire. So it's the middle of November 2016.
1: We had been in a severe drought.
0: Almost no rain that entire summer or fall rivers flowing at a quarter of their normal water levels. Western folks who deal with fires every year probably aren't all that impressed by this whole situation, but this was way out of the ordinary for Tennessee. And during this drought, a small fire started on top of one of the mountains in the park.
1: And It's so steep and rocky, the fire crews really couldn't attack it. And so what they did is they established a containment line down slope and were letting it back burn down to that slope.
0: Basically, the fire crews felt like they had it under control and we're just gonna let this one burn itself out. But things weren't really all that under control. Towards the end of Thanksgiving weekend, while the fire was supposed to be winding down, a big storm blew through.
1: We had winds 80, 90 miles an hour, and it took that fire and started to pick it up and move it um, quite large distances, you know, up to a mile at a time.
0: And the fire spread and spread. I asked Matt how this affected the park.
1: The fire was just at 17,900 acres, 11,000 of those acres were in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. So that burn area within the park is about 2% of our acreage.
0: Okay, 11,000 acres. That's a lot of land. How many miles of stream were within the affected burn areas? There was 55 miles
1: of stream that were affected, and uh, that was within the burn area.
0: But just like I had seen that morning, the burn wasn't too bad near the streams. This spring, we
1: anticipate a really strong green-up. It helps with slope stability. You know, we were concerned about sediment moving into the rivers and streams, so we don't anticipate, within the park at least, major debris flows or slides, which is good. And it helps also the biota, fish and insects that live in the stream.
0: As Matt listed off the affected streams, I was thinking to myself, all this is good news. The impact of the fire on the streams, and therefore the fish, seemed to be pretty minimal. But Matt must have sensed my lack of concern because all of a sudden, he got really serious.
1: Uh, I think the one thing I would like to say to you yeah. is that uh, any story on the fire, be really sensitive to the fact that, you know, this was a, This has been a huge impact on our, part, our neighbors. So please be very sensitive to the fact that people lost their lives. Uh, we're talking about resource impacts in the park, period. And that, uh, you know, when, when people put things out there like Oh, this fire really wasn't that. Didn't have a big impact. If you're reading that as a person that lost your business or home, you know that means something totally different to them.
0: You see what I'm saying? I didn't fully see what he was saying. What was the full impact of the fire? 2,500 homes and businesses were damaged or destroyed. And,
4: uh, 14 people lost their lives.
0: Also, we um, some of our employees
4: here in Great Smoky Mountains National Park uh, lost everything they had there's that human aspect that's pretty devastating.
0: Holy cow. I I had no idea. It turns out this fire was way worse than I thought. While the impact in the park turned out to be manageable, it was the town of Gatlinburg, Tennessee that really got hit. Matt and Caleb introduced me to a fellow National Park employee. <laughs> this is Caitlin Hillemeyer.
3: I do computer mapping and archeology. span
0: And she told me about her experience during the fire.
3: Uh, during the fire, I was actually here at the park mapping mapping it as it was occurring and watching it just get closer and closer <laughs> uh, to the ridge by my house and then I ran home and it was just behind my house so I grabbed some things and... I ended up grabbing um, my grandmother's cookbook, my laptop, um, my teddy bear <laughs> and then um, I grabbed my fly rods and stuff from beside the door and Everything else, I left because I thought it would still be there when I got back, like my camera, a hard drive with like everything I've ever done, all my photos, everything, and I grabbed some snapples instead of those things because I was pretty sure it was still going to be there. <laughs> and by the time I was leaving, the fire had crested the hill, it was coming back down the valley towards my house. Um, I just remember looking in the rearview mirror, um, hoping that it would all still be there. <laughs> While I was leaving Gatlinburg, um, the road ahead was blocked due to the fire being on both sides of the road. It started to come up behind us as well, and we had to drive through the fire to get out. And found out the next day that my house was destroyed by the fire. I, I lost my house and everything. <laughs>
0: After hearing Caitlin's story, I knew I had to drive into Gatlinburg to check out the destruction for myself. Though Gatlinburg is only a couple miles away from the Great Smoky Mountains National Park headquarters, the two places are in different worlds. While the park is lush and peaceful, Gatlinburg is a bit of a sensory overload. And I'm not talking about the effects from the fire. Ripley's Believe It or Not museums, Paul Bunyan pancake houses, kitschy as all get out. And in the immediate area, right on the main drag, I couldn't see any effects of the fire. I almost didn't believe the stories I had just heard from everyone. But as soon as I got outside of downtown, I could see the destruction for myself. Holy shit. To my left, there's a burnt out gas station with a skeleton of a car out in front on the right side of the street. The houses are perfectly intact. Much like in the National Park, the fire spared some areas while completely destroying others. The hills surrounding the city were peppered with skeletons of burnt-out buildings next to perfectly intact mansions. Only a couple blocks away, residential streets alternated between fully intact and entirely obliterated. The fire had defined clear winners and losers. Thankfully, the fire chose to spare the local fly shop, the Smoky Mountain Angler. I stopped in to hear about their experience,
4: Well, I'm Harold Thompson, and I own the fly shop here.
0: Here in? Gatlinburg. Gatlinburg. Tennessee. There we go, there you go. (laughs) Harold looked around the shop with a face that asked, who is this idiot? And the shop is still here, but if you go half a block up the road. Right across the road. It's just
4: got everything Just right across this little road here.
0: A charred tree at the edge of the property separated the fly shop from an entire block of homes that didn't make it. Even though Harold didn't lose the fly shop, he did lose some business after the fire. Of course, we were
4: closed for two weeks that we couldn't get into town, uh, which was a complete shutdown.
0: But along with the fishery, the fly shop hasn't been hit as hard as a lot of people had feared.
4: What little fishing we've done has been good. We actually have got a trip going out at one o'clock today. Nice. And uh, I expect they'll catch some fish, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's changing by the day. We first thought that we would be many years getting back to normal, but it's not going to be forever. Getting more like old times as we go
0: along, yeah. Before I left town, I heard about a group that emerged from the ashes of the fire. It's called Project Smoky Mountain Rebirth, And its mission is to thank first responders for their help after the tragedy by taking them out fishing.
2: You know, I wanted to be able to show these folks a a part of the Smokies that they didn't get to see when they were here, the way it should be seen.
0: Meaning with a fly rod in hand. I spoke with Chris Turner, the director of Project Smoky Mountain Rebirth, about the goals of the project and how things have been going.
2: We had two great events. The first one we had was for our National Guard.
0: Guides from the area volunteered their time and their boats to thank the first responders.
2: We uh, floated a bunch of them down the river.
0: Everybody caught fish.
2: Um, now the second one, we were actually able to procure a local local park right here and that is right on the Little Pigeon River. And it holds some pretty nice rainbows and a good smallmouth population. That was for the first responders, the locally affected. We taught them how to fish in the Smoky Mountains. You know, it was about the fellowship.
0: While Project Smoky Mountain Rebirth may have been founded to thank out-of-town first responders, I got a sense that its main purpose has been healing the local community. It's a good excuse to come together after the fire tried to tear the town apart. Since this happened,
2: everybody around here has kind of banded together and done everything within our power to try to make this place not just a home again, but everybody's home away from home just like it was.
0: I kept on hearing this positivity throughout my time in Gatlinburg.
4: You've got to understand something about Tennessee. The Tennessee people take care of one another.
3: To be a, a very chipper person. I think even like right after the fire, you know, every, everything happens for a reason, and it really is not fun losing all your stuff, but it's kind of a fresh start, and, and there's a silver lining to everything that happens. Uh,
4: a lot of support from people who traveled here, and people were glad to come here, glad to give business back to the community. Um, I don't, you know, this past year. 2016 was our highest visitation to date. We had 11.3 million visitors in Great Smoky Mountains National Park. And I don't really see that trend declining. I think people are going to continue to come and enjoy the area.
0: Life in the Smokies continues. This summer, I invite you to visit Gatlinburg and Great Smoky Mountains National Park to show your support for the area. Make sure to bring your fly rod. You won't be disappointed. Stick around until the end for scenes from our next episode and this week's Field Notes. Lots of thank yous this week. Matt Culp, Caleb Abramson, Caitlin Hillemeyer, Ian and Charity Rudder, Harold Thompson and all the folks at Smoky Mountain Angler, Chris Turner, Grant Summerlin, all y'all. Thanks for your Appalachian hospitality. You can find links to R&R Fly Fishing, Project Smoky Mountain Rebirth, and the Smoky Mountain Angler Fly Shop on our website, www.drakemag.com. Keegan Lynch designed our logo. Our title track is Ain't It Sweet by Phil Cook. Alrighty, time for this week's Field Notes. I reached out to Harold Thompson at Smoky Mountain Angler the other day to see how the fishing has been in the Smokies lately.
4: Fishing has been really good. We're catching fish all over the park. Uh, Yellow sallies and stimulators and stuff of that type on top of the water have been doing excellent. And uh, just standard nymphs. Pheasant tail probably catches more fish than everything else put together. In the streams, uh, after they get three to five miles away from the mountains, we got the smallmouth, and streamers are working well enough on that. Uh, we, we were concerned that maybe that, uh, the ash in the water might affect the fish or something. The best we can tell is it's not hindering them in any at all. It's fishing really good and uh, as well as it's done any time in recent years, so it had no adverse effect on the water. I don't know of anything else. Just give us a plug because we need to get more people here. <laughs>
0: Thanks, Harold. Always a pleasure. Tune in next week as we float down a brutal river in Michigan. For
2: the love of God, give me a lighter.
3: This is the railroad bridge where the first trout were introduced. That's where we're getting them. It's on the handle. Did you have yeah, one? Yeah, yeah.
0: What did I do? I f***ed up uh, somehow. Okay, what's, so, the, how, what's the hook set? What the f- Really? <laughs> yeah. Nice, dude. What nice. What's like? nice, nice, nice. <laughs> right, another one. Get... Thanks for listening. This has been the Drake
3: Cast.